The quiet at home was a little creepy, and the fact that my ears were tingling with cold and Leslie's parting words didn't help engender the feeling of normalcy I was kind of desperate for. Plunking the platter down on the counter, I ignored the blinking message light on my answering machine and squinted towards the bookcase. If I was willing to ride out the metaphor to the point of ridiculousness, imagining that the journal was Mr. Darcy, then was this whole thing somehow my very own sexy coincidence. The possibility was a little bit terrifying, a good clue that maybe I needed to dial back on the Pride and Prejudice complex. It occurred to me that maybe I should come up with some sort of game plan before I braved another look at the journal. Like what to do if nothing had changed versus what to do if everything had. But with my mouth drying up and my stomach roiling with nerves and the liquor from the cranberry lemonade, I couldn't think. Strategy eluded me, right along with common sense. I wanted to look, but I didn't. I wanted everything to be normal, and yet, perversely, a little mystery held a certain appeal. Squaring my shoulders, I stepped out of the light in the kitchen and moved into the dimness of the living room. It felt like high noon in an old-time TV western, except that I was facing down a wordslinger closer to midnight. My fingers curled in and out of fists, and I gulped big breaths of air, as if I could somehow load up on normal before stepping into a bizarro world of unexplained and unsolicited matchmaking. I cautiously reached between the pre-selected cookbooks and snagged the leather-bound volume with my index finger and thumb. Hot-footing it back to the kitchen, I dropped my catch on the table and sat down to face the situation head-on. Whatever that might entail. With a burst of courage, I flipped back the cover. The journal's little doorknob thwacked loudly against the table, unleashing a new wave of nerves. So much for all my carefully built-up calm. There was no going back now. Seeing the first page still intact, complete with rewritten journal entry and underlined words, gave me a fleeting moment of confidence, just enough to catch my breath. These words at least hadn't disappeared. Spurred on by my thunderous heartbeat, I cautiously turned the page and saw only white, until the few remaining words came clearly into focus, at which point the curse words were falling off my tongue like an avalanche as I started to panic. I really hadn't expected a second message. One could have been written off as a fluke or something, but two was a definite situation, particularly with Leslie off the hook with her airtight alibi. Willing myself to pull it together, I read the remaining words. Cleavage is as cleavage does. All of my built-up tensions suddenly came crashing down in the face of sheer ridiculousness. Oh, I was still panicked all right, but at this moment, I was simply bowled over by the unpredictability of the situation. Here I was, dealing with someone who had the mind-boggling ability to send private messages by erasing selected words in a seemingly unremarkable journal. And he-she chose to use this power to spout off on cleavage and issue a call to romance? It was like I was dealing with a teenage techie with a crush. Although I had to admit, the element of ridiculousness made things feel a little less threatening and more just odd. Number one, I had no cleavage worth discussing, and number two, I'd learned long ago that it was impossible to strong-arm a romance— because romance was like dandelion fluff, 
floating out there, everywhere. And while we all chased it, grabbed hold of it, and hated to let it go, it was fickle and flighty, and impervious to even the most careful planning.'